Voltaire is quoted as saying, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. My guest today is going to share with you about your perimenopausal health. What is it? and mostly what to do about it. I know you may feel like your life has become a dumpster trash fire, but there is hope, and we're gonna share it with you today. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. And welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution podcast with Dr. Kieran. So excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some of your precious time with me and my special guest today. We very much appreciate it. And we always want to make it worthwhile. Today, we're tackling a topic that we don't talk about often enough. Really, we hear about menopause all the time, but we don't talk enough about perimenopause which is really when my health went off the rails. And it really is the wake-up call that most of us have sometime in our 40s that says, rah, rah, something's wrong, I need to pay attention, and it sends us scrambling for answers. So my guest today, well, she's got answers. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then we'll get started. Dr. Amy Day is the founder of the Women's Vitality Center, which provides effective, experienced, and compassionate care using an integrated treatment approach that blends nutrition, fitness, lifestyle counseling, stress management, nutritional supplements, botanical medicines, and bioidentical hormones to help women at midlife heal and experience the optimum vitality that she deserves, because we all deserve that. Welcome, Dr. Amy Day. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Such important work that you do. Thank you for running your podcast, and hello to the listeners. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so glad to have you here talking about one of my favorite topics. So perimenopause, it's my understanding that you have a story. We all have a story. How did we come to focus on what we focus on? So how did you become so passionate about helping women in the perimenopause? Yeah, so I, you know, I have had my own women's health and hormone issues over my lifetime. I actually got wake up calls earlier on as well, but with a diagnosis of endometriosis and just learning like what's going on with my body and my hormones and how to manage all of that had, had been front and center. And I got to a place where I, I understood that and was in a pretty good place. And then I got into my forties. <laughs> And I just have felt like there's all these new things happening and changes happening. And it's something I've seen in my practice over years and years as well. Women who are, you know, going along through their 20s, 30s, do, you know, you've learned the things that you need to do to take care of yourself. And then all of a sudden, even though you're still doing the things, you know, you're still eating well, you're still exercising, you're trying to get your sleep, you're doing your things, but now your body is just like, changing and everything's different and you're gaining weight or foggy thinking or having crazy periods or mood swings, you know, the weight gain that goes on. It just can be so 
frustrating and weird feeling when your body's not responding the way that you're used to. And I think it's a really important time in our lives to be learning and understanding how to help ourselves through what's really a natural transition. Yeah, you know, I remember feeling like when my health was just going to hell in a handbasket in my 40s, I would look around and compare myself to all my friends who were in the same age range. And because it doesn't happen at the same time, it's very confusing. It's not like when we all graduated high school and we all went to the prom, right? We did these things. It's not like it happens at the same time. So I happened to be one of the first. And I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Not, oh, I'm going through this thing that we're all going to go through, even though I was OBGYN, right? And so I kind of knew what was happening. When it's you, it's a whole other thing. (laughs) So I just think that's one of the reasons why it's so confusing to people. And so you had had wake-up calls, and then you got in your 40s, and kind of what was the straw that really pushed you to focus on that? Yeah, it, I found myself having just the most unusual cycles going on where I, I have a, you know, the, the stack in my bathroom of all the different sizes of tampons and pads because you never know what to expect. And just having the hot flashes happening, disrupting my sleep, you know, the, the things that I know are so common. We throw the sheets off because you're so hot and then you get cold and you throw them back on again. And like, okay, what's what's going on and what does my body need need right now? And how can I understand what this is that's going on? So it was a combination of what was going on for me and also just a culmination of seeing the commonality from so many of the patients that we've been seeing and working with. And there's just this theme and this pattern where it's like, things start changing and what's going on and I don't understand it. And it's all, all of that kind of came together to, to drive. And I feel like so often, like what you just described, like, Hey, what's wrong with me? Or why is this happening to me? Like, we're not really prepared. And I, you know, kudos to the generation before us that I feel like really put menopause on the map, but that, put that more in front and center, we can talk about it. Like, you know, they're more so at least in our culture than, than what used to be, but we're, things are happening earlier than that. You're like, well, I'm not 52 yet. I'm, you know, 42 or 38 sometimes or something like, like, what, what is this going on? And people, I hear from so many women who go to their regular doctor and they ask questions. Why, why can't I think straight? Why am I having all this anxiety out of the blue or what, like these things that are going on and their doctors will tell them, you're normal or you're a woman, you just have to deal with it. And it couldn't be menopause, you're too young. Yes, and so, you know, we really do fall in this no man's land category. We're not at normal fertility in our 20s or early 30s and we're not menopausal. And because mainstream medicine doesn't check hormone levels, they're like, you're fine. You're not menopausal. You're fine. And you're like, uh, am I crazy? That's how I felt. Like by all the tests I knew to do, I was fine. All my tests fine. were normal. <laughs> so it makes you feel crazy. And I think you're right. The generation before us put menopause on the map and we're putting perimenopause on the map right here, right now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's the another four letter word, fine. <laughs> right. When you're told it's fine. You're like, this is not fine, actually. I am not okay with this. Yeah. I have heard a great acronym for fine, something like 
effed up, insecure, neurotic, and I forget what the E is. <laughs> it's like, you are not okay if you're fine. So let's start with the basics because we know what perimenopause is, but there are some people who don't get it. I even did a YouTube video on definitions around menopause. What is the definition of menopause? What is the definition of postmenopause? What is the definition of premenopause, perimenopause? So can you define perimenopause for people? Sure. So so to work backwards, the technical definition of menopause is when it's been exactly one year since your last period. And I always tell women, like, throw yourself a menopause party because <laughs> it's, it's been a year and, and you have a date to celebrate. And things really can be wonderful afterwards. It is not all downhill from here. So the perimenopause is the whole transitional time leading up to menopause. And it can last about five years or up to 10 years in some cases of shifty, changey hormone transition. So for most women, that means it's basically through your 40s that things are are shifting and changing. And one of the, the ways that I think is helpful to think about it is that it's like puberty in reverse. <laughs> so there's it's sometimes it's a little hard to define exactly like when it starts or when it ends. But when you're feeling all those changes and you're body's just different than it used to be. And you're questioning who you want to be when you grow up and <laughs> all these things are going on. It's like puberty in reverse. And they're, they're, it's a phase, it's a natural transition. And I think it's a time that we, we want to learn more and connect to others so we understand it and step up, but it doesn't have to be overly medicalized. It's a natural, normal transition. We just want to learn the skills to be able to navigate it. And so what do you mean by overly medicalized? Explain that, please. Yeah. So on the flip side, you're fine, you know, nothing to do. <laughs> the other thing that I hear from women is they go to the doctor, say, you know, complaining of these symptoms and they get put on birth control pill. They get put on antidepressants. They get offered a hysterectomy. They, you know, ha have these stronger interventions that there's a time and a place for all things. I don't have any, you know, problem with that if that's the right choice for someone. But I think it's important to take a step back and look at what the options are and, and what might really be going on underneath the symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Got it. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's your conscience calling. It's a new year. Just wondering where you are with your resolution. You remember the one to lose some weight and get in shape? You know, life would be a whole lot better if you upped your metabolism, lost a few pounds, had some energy, and could get in your skinny jeans again, right? But I know you don't want to count calories, and I don't want you to either. And working out at the gym is not your idea of fun, or mine. I know you hate the thought that you might fail at weight loss again, and I do too. And that's why this time I've set you up for the ultimate success by working with a doctor who lost 100 pounds at midlife herself by addressing all the hidden causes of weight gain no one's told you about. It's about so much more than diet and exercise. You'll see, Dr. Kieran will tell you all the secrets you need to know to lose 10 pounds and double your energy in the 28-Day Jumpstart Program. It addresses all the reasons that 90% of weight loss programs fail women at midlife. Yup, it was created by Dr. Kieran after she lost 100 pounds at midlife. She designed it to address the same issues that you're having. Only, you don't know you're having them because no one told you. So yes, I heard what you want. 
And for sure, you totally deserve it. To live in a body that is healthy and vital and supports you in doing everything that you want to do. And to look good doing it while having more fun than you can imagine? I got you. And I know you don't want to pay a lot of money to try yet another program. So you'll love the special introductory offer of just $47 to join. Just $47? Girl, you know you spend that on things you can't even remember every single month. What have you got to lose? Nothing. Losing 10 pounds could just be the jumpstart you need to your next level of living. It's all ready for you. Just go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com to get the details on this amazing program and sign up now. Then you can check off, lose weight, and feel great from your to-do list and get back to the things that matter most to you. I heard you, and I've answered. Dr. Kieran's got your resolution covered with the Jumpstart program. I'll see you there. And we're back. So that's what perimenopause is. We've talked about the age range, how long it can last. We've definitely touched on the symptoms. Well, let's go into a little bit more detail because I think that some women will start with crazy bowel symptoms, irritable bowel, bloating, difficulty with digestion, and they never think, oh, this could be related to the perimenopause. So can you kind of run down what are all the plethora of lovely symptoms that we can experience with our health in that time period? Yeah, yeah, I can I can throw a bunch out and you can help me fill in if, yes. I, if I'm missing anything because there there is there such I I visualize you know like the word cloud of of all the different things right. it's pretty much I mean almost anything that's going on for a woman through her 40s could potentially be and you know her hormones could be related to it it could could be the cause of it or it could just be related or contributing factor so very commonly things like sleep disturbances anxiety hot flashes and night sweats can happen this is not only a postmenopause thing it, it can happen earlier too brain fog weight gain that stubborn kind of weight gain where you're like I'm doing all the normal things and it's not working mm-hmm. things like Joint pains can mm-hmm. can be part of it, so more inflammation and achiness. Sore gums is kind of an interesting, a more unusual, but one that happens too. I have a dentist appointment tomorrow, so that's on my mind. So hair loss can happen from the head. Hair growth on the face is possible. Acne, oily skin, just from the hormones being you know not as balanced as they had been earlier in life. What else? The digestive symptoms, as you mentioned, the bloating and everything. And that's really an interesting, a lot of these are, but that's a very interesting two-way street. So the the more imbalanced the gut flora and digestive health is, the more challenging that is on the hormones. And when the hormones are off, it, it can create these digestive symptoms too. Yeah. And, you know, sex drive disturbance is huge. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So sex drive and sexual yeah. response and, yes. and dryness in yeah. terms of, you know, pelvic health, the tightness or dryness or pain that can happen with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that can can change and, and be, you know, really, it's one of those things I feel like so many women just assume because they're told it's normal. They just assume like, oh, well, I'm like old and dried up now. And that's, that's just how it has to be. It does, no. not, <laughs> it does not have to be that way. It's you can have a, a vibrant, vital, brilliant sex life and overall life, you know, way past midlife, no problem. So yes. Okay. So yes, it can affect every system. So if you have any symptoms, 
the question you want to ask always is, mm, could this be related to perimenopause? Answers, most likely, probably yes. <laughs> why, you know, in our country, really, it seems like perimenopause, menopause are such a big deal, such a thing, right? Other countries, not so much. Why do we have such a problem in our country? And when do we consider it pathologic, perimenopause or menopause? Yeah, good question. You know, there there are a lot of factors. I think there's a, it's interesting to consider that there is, when people talk about things more, it seems like there's more of it going on. So that's to some extent, I'm like, good, people are talking about it. So that's that. But it's, it's the truth is there's also much more symptomatic, you know, problematic disturbances going on for, for women. So I think that two main factors that, fit, uh, that feed into that are one is stress and overwhelm. Just the idea of pushing ourselves so hard, we're juggling so many different things. This is a point in our lives where we've, you know, if you've had children, you've been like so focused on getting them born and raised and go, you know, going in life and everything and and then maybe your career and trying to advance that and everything going on that way. So it's just, it's a time where some of this like push, 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 go, go, go kind of starts to catch up to us. That's one of the factors. And another could definitely be from environmental exposures and toxins and estrogen mimickers that we get exposed to through pesticides and plastics and hair care and skincare products and all those things can certainly play into it as well. Yeah, I know you talk a lot about cortisol effects, and I saw you had a recent blog talking about cortisol and how it affects our perimenopause transition. And so most everyone, because we do talk about it a lot, cortisol, I talk about queen cortisol all the time. (laughs) Hail the queen. How is this affecting our perimenopause? How are the two related? I know some people don't get what, what does stress have to do with perimenopause? Why would it make it worse? It doesn't make any sense. So I think, can you tie that together a little bit? Yeah, definitely. This is a, this is I love talking about this. I think it's so important. It's it's very easy, especially in the the go 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 kind of lifestyle to just like assume stress is always part of the picture and stress is just normal and everybody deals with stress and like the more stress is like a badge of honor, right? That like I'm super busy and I'm so stressed out and all of that. So, I think it's really worthwhile to take a step back and understand a little bit of the physiology and that stress is never just stress. There's that, it's like, oh, it's just stress. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's never just, right? I love that. Yes. Let's do tell about the stress. Yeah. When you experience stress, queen cortisol <laughs> has to respond. That's part, that's it. And you know, that's the, our hormonal system that responds to stress. So when we have a deadline, we have something we're working on, we have something coming up, we have something due where, you know, we're pushed by this stressful feeling that drives cortisol. And when we're experiencing when the, and it's the coming from the adrenal glands. So your listeners probably somewhat familiar with cortisol coming from the adrenals as part of that stress response. Well, you're, 
your adrenals also regulate your circadian rhythm, your 24-hour clock, your get up and go in the morning, and then your wind down and get peaceful sleep at night also has to do with the regulation and the rhythms of cortisol. So when you're going back to back to back with, with deadlines and you know tigers and bears, that your, your system is constantly going from one thing to the next and never getting a chance to downshift and get into the more rest and digest state of things. It really, it's very taxing on the adrenals and on the endocrine system that regulates the adrenals. It's called the HPA axis standing for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal. When the adrenals are demanding cortisol all the time, eventually it's a little bit like the boy who cried wolf. Eventually the hypothalamus pituitary are like, yeah, it's just another stress. Like we, <laughs> we can't keep pumping you with cortisol constantly. And so the system down regulates and then women don't have enough cortisol. So it's definitely this sweet spot. Queen cortisol is, you don't want too much or too little. And you really want it regulated through the day properly. So it plays into a lot of your symptoms of sleep and energy and also digestion and immune health and really impacts thyroid function as well as our sex hormones because the adrenals, if they're not exhausted, are capable of producing some estrogen and progesterone for us, but not if they're downregulated and, and kind of shut down. So... So true. And what about, we all know that stress that in our life that we call stress. Now you've explained how it's affecting our health. It's not just stress. But what about the things that we don't even know about? What else is affecting our cortisol that we might not be paying attention to? There, So stresses come in many, many different forms. So mm -hmm. physical, mental, emotional, environmental. So there can be things if you're, if you're fighting an infection, that's a stress on your system. If you're having relationship issues, that's a stress on your system. If you're eating foods that your body doesn't tolerate well, that's a stress on your system. If you're on a blood sugar roller coaster, that is a stress on if you're skipping meals or going that that your body's not used to, or if you're, yeah, if you're having blood sugar spikes from maybe having those carbohydrates in the afternoon to help yourself get up and go, but then you crash afterwards. So poor sleep can be a stress on the system. And there's also good stress that's mm -hmm. worth mentioning because stress also makes life exciting. You know, it, th things being new and different and challenging and everything is, is exciting. And I, I think it's important to not paint stress as all bad, but it's really a matter of stress management. It's a matter of knowing like how much stress can you tolerate right now? How much resilience do you have? Is this the right time to do something that you're wanting to do? And being mindful of how you're, how you're dancing with stress and when is it being uplifting and exciting and when is it just depleting you and being too much? Yeah, I think it's called U-stress, E-U-stress. You Actually, a system needs some degree of stress to be optimally functional and optimally healthy, so we do need it. But at what point, you're right, does it become toxic and actually hurting us? Yeah. I love that you, you mentioned the blood sugar roller coaster. That's exactly what I call it. And that's one of the places I find that women in perimenopause really are hurting themselves because they're eating the standard American diet and the carbs, and they're on that up-down. And I say, well, you know, the first thing they say, well, what, what's the one thing I should do, Dr. Kieran, to help my perimenopause symptoms? Change what you're eating. 
And they're like, what is she talking about? <laughs> so can you help them understand how does what you're eating affect your sex hormones? How does that work? Yeah, it's interesting connection between the, the food. I mean, there's there's several things, but I'll focus on this, between the food impacting glucose and insulin, right? When you eat a meal, your glucose goes up, insulin responds to that and brings that back down again. But if it's more of a spike and crash situation, that puts stress on the system and the adrenal glands actually have to respond to that. If you're spiking and crashing, your adrenals are trying to help you to regulate that and keep your brain having enough glucose to, to keep yourself functioning and going. So it's a it's your body has to deal with all of that and keep mm -hmm. yourself steady. Right. So what are some things that I think we've done a really good job outlining the problem? Women are nodding their heads going, yep, that's me. Yep, I'm living on caffeine. Yep, I think that red wine is a vitamin that I need every day. Yeah, I feel like my health is a dumpster trash fire, right? I mean, I remember it so clearly like it was yesterday. It was awful. So we've really painted that and helped people understand what's going on. Now let's talk about some solutions. Yes. <laughs> what in the world do we do about this? Yeah. Yeah. So related to that, that blood sugar piece and how there's like starting with what you're eating is, is such an important aspect of it. And I think really, really there, there's actually three different rhythms that I like to teach about in the eating and, and fasting and nutrition is one of them where you want to really nourish yourself in the morning. I recommend for the acronym PFF, protein, fat, and fiber to include at every meal, protein, fat, and fiber, so that you have a more stable blood sugar roller coaster, not one of the really exciting ones that goes... <laughs> severely up and severely down. Like the lazy river blood sugar. Yes. Lazy river, not the roller, not the cyclone roller coaster. You want a lazy river blood sugar. Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about that for perimenopause too. I mean, perimenopause can be a crazy roller coaster of hormones too, right? Of like things kicking in and then crashing and all of that. So you're like, you want the calm version. Yeah, so nourishing your body with well-rounded meals that include protein, fat, and fiber to help stabilize the blood sugar is definitely an important piece. And another one that I, I like to talk about a lot because it ties into an important aspect of adrenal health, which is that circadian rhythm, is the get up and go in the morning and the winding down at night. So instead of the coffee, caffeine, and, and carbs to start your day, and then the red wine, like you just mentioned, like that's how people can wind down instead of wind <laughs> down. Wind <laughs> um, down rather than wind down. I love yes. it. Okay. <laughs> so really, really looking at, well, what else could help to get you up and going in the morning and what else could help to wind you down at night and if that's a practice of some kind or a movement exercise or you know there are a lot of different ways of doing it but getting getting up at around the same time in the morning getting your body moving and going fresh air and sunshine having a practice of setting your intentions getting yourself ready for your day and then bookending your day then at, at night with a purposeful winding down, calming, soothing, maybe a gratitude practice, even just saying or writing or thinking to yourself three things you're grateful for from, from that day or in your life and having a little bit of time to breathe and relax and let go of the day before you lay your head down because that's going to help your body to shift 
out of that fight or flight stress constant mode and into a more restful reparative state for a good night's sleep. Which is actually what we're wanting from the wine. You know, we just want to dial it out of sympathetic into parasympathetic, into that calm. But we're just going about it the wrong way because I think most of us don't realize what we're doing to ourselves. I mean, back when I was in my 40s and my health was a mess, that's what I did to turn it off because I didn't know what the harm I was causing and didn't really understand what was happening. And now I might do a breathing practice or do some yin yoga or something like that. Exactly. It's like the end result, you're on the right track. Yes, right. you want to wind yourself down, but it's just, are we doing that in a way that's actually causing other issues or are we doing that in a way that's really nourishing and supportive for the body? So, Right. I love that. Okay. So we're changing. I forget. We were talking about solutions and I forget where we started because we covered so much important, juicy ground. I know we started with insulin. We were talking about that. We went to the autonomic nervous system. What are some other things that we could do? So just to, to wrap up, to you know, round out, I mentioned three rhythms. So there's the eating rhythm over the day. It can be your blood sugar stable. There's the sleep-wake rhythm. And then the other one is the uh, exercise and rest, which can play into that also. You want to be helping your body to be more active and waking up and getting everything going early in the day. And then having having a practice that is more calming and centering for nighttime, something that helps to wind down. But it's about getting into your body also. So we spend so much of our lives and so much of our days in our heads. It's like our body is just here to carry our head around to do all the <laughs> thinking and talking and everything that we do in the world. And when you can drop in and be in your body, whether that's something vigorous, which would usually be recommended earlier in the day or something that's soothing like the yoga or something that you mentioned for later in the day, but that you are purposefully taking some time to drop in and take care of this amazing body that you live in that is actually trying its best to take care of yourself and give yourself energy and digest your food and beat your heart and make your hormones. Like your body is trying to do these things for you all the time and really being, you know, being able to drop into your body and appreciate and support your bodies. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, evening dropping into my body kind of routines is a foam roller actually is, is Ah. something that I just love recommending for people. So at the end of the day, if you're feeling tight in your neck or shoulders, or if you tend to get, you know, leg cramps or anything like that, doing a little gentle stretching or doing some foam rolling where you're rolling out your back and rolling out your legs can feel really, really nice. It's like giving, getting a massage before you go to bed every night. It's lovely. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, it just popped in my head. Epsom salt bath is another one of my favorites <laughs> to turn off that sympathetic and dial up to parasympathetics. Just beautiful. Although I find most people don't use enough Epsom salts. I use four pounds of Epsom salt in a tub. Per, so per bath. Wow. Yes. I it's, usually recommend like a pound or two because often people are using like a cup or something about four pounds. Woohoo. Ah, it's, it's like you should try it. Talk about a glass of wine. This is like way better. Four pounds oh. of magnesium. Mm, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So but you yes. gotta get to bed pretty quickly after that because you're all right. like wet noodle, right? Like, oh, I'm so relaxed. Yes, but <laughs> it's amazing it. we can do this with salt, freaking salt, y'all. Salt. So 
you yeah. know, you it's can such let... a powerful detoxer also yes. and so good for your skin and it's good to relax your muscles and get you tired. I love it. Yes. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey there, it's me again, your conscience. Just letting you know, I did hear you. The question is, did you hear me? Go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com now to sign up for Dr. Kieran's next challenge starting soon. Pause this recording and go to the website now. We'll wait for you. Dr. Kieran's got you covered in achieving your resolutions this year. I'm always looking out for you. You're welcome. We're back. What else should we know from you about perimenopause that we haven't talked about? Let's see. So one of the things that I think is is really helpful to know and realize, especially if you are somewhat tuned into what's going on hormonally in menopause, but what's actually happening in perimenopause. So we pretty much, most people know that in menopause, your hormones are low, right? Your estrogen, your progesterone, and even testosterone can be an important one too that ends up being lower levels later in life. But what's happening in perimenopause, and this is that the exciting roller coaster we were referring to earlier too, really your hormones can be anywhere in perimenopause and they can be up, they can be down. This is one of the, Thing, one of the reasons why even in conventional medicine, it's really not standard practice to test your hormones because it can be literally high one day and low the next, and it doesn't really always you know, give you the answer that you want. So if you do any lab testing, be careful about what day in your cycle you're testing and you know, what, if, you, if you even have a cycle that you can count on anymore and just being mindful of what's happening with those levels because they really can be up and down. And one of the things that I think is really useful to know is that most commonly the first hormone that is low during perimenopause of the sex hormones is progesterone. So progesterone is such an important hormone for women in their 40s and dealing with perimenopausal changes to know about. Because I think we often think of estrogen as the main hormone in terms of these kinds of symptoms, hot flashes, or you're not sleeping, or your you know, skin's changing, or any of that sort of thing. We really think a lot about estrogen for menopause, but in perimenopause, it's usually progesterone first. And that's because we're moving out of the fertile years and we may not be ovulating as much and your body's not so much on that track of trying to reproduce so it doesn't produce as much progesterone, which is really progesterone is really a lot more about ovulation and supporting pregnancy. It's named for progestation. Its main role has to do with reproduction. So as we're moving through perimenopause, we tend to produce less progesterone, but we may still have high or erratic estrogen going on. So that would be another thing I think is important for, for women to be aware of that's not talked about enough is to know to think about progesterone. Yes, that was my story. And, you know, progesterone is the weight loss, diuretic, antidepressant, anti-anxiety, feel good, sleep well, happy hormone. So if you don't have that, mm, you do not feel good. Yeah. You think about a lot of the uh, symptoms that listeners may have experienced throughout their, their menstruating lives or you're familiar with PMS 
right, is often estrogen dominance is, is the kind of general way of referring to that, where there's the estrogens there, but the progesterone relatively is low to that. And a lot of those symptoms of PMS, the breast tenderness, the bloating, the irritability, not sleeping, a lot of that, that and progesterone can be very helpful for those things. So, or supporting your progesterone some way, so. Yeah, supporting it, taking it, however you can get it, get some progesterone. It does a body good, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I was sharing my previous, before dealing with perimenopause, endometriosis has been a big thing for me. So mm. progesterone is super. Fortunately, I got turned on to that early, been you know, using, using more of it lately. So. <laughs> oh, so that was part of your story too before yeah. the perimenopause. Yeah, Wow. So you have dominant conditions like fibroids, endometriosis, ovarian cysts, really bad PMS kind of symptoms can often be benefited by that feel good, happy progesterone hormone too. So, yeah. But then estrogen is super important too, right? That there comes a time where thinking about supporting or taking estrogen is a really important thing to do to address certain symptoms too. Right. But the thing is that most of us have plenty estrogen, right? We just have plenty or way too much. You know, in younger women, once we hit puberty, you just don't see estrogen deficiency. Oh, I should say, unless they're on a birth control pill or something to suppress it. Then I have seen menopausal levels of estrogen in young girls, which makes me crazy. Young girls, young women, whatever. And vaginal dryness and vulvar pain issues and all that with that. They really need the hormonal support. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something else, you know, if you're listening, you have daughters, sisters who are younger, that the hormonal suppression is causes long-term consequences that your doctor might not have informed you of because they might not be aware of it. So it's something that you want to educate yourself on. This is a little side note, public service announcement. So this is great information. I think that we now have such a great understanding of what's going on with perimenopause, what symptoms might we be experiencing, what are some things we can do to evaluate. But what would be your top three take action tips for someone listening, someone who's maybe she's thinking, you are talking to me, Dr. Amy. This is exactly like my health. I was wondering what in the world's going on. I told my doctor, I asked him to check my hormones. They told me we don't do that. I don't know what to do. I feel crazy. Help her out. She's heard this. What are the top three take action tips you would give her? Yeah, let's see. Let's get it down to the top three. (laughs) Yeah. I would say that eating PFF meals, so protein, fat, and fiber. Every time you eat, you have a meal, you have a snack, think about where's where's the protein in this, where's the fiber, which would usually be vegetables, and then where's the good fats in it too, because our our hormones need that too. So I think that's a really important starting place. I think that waking up at the same time every morning is actually a really good starting place too. This is really about teaching the adrenals to set your circadian clock, to set your 24-hour clock. And when that's working better, it really makes such a difference in so many things, especially if you're feeling that like wiped out, burnout, stressed, exhausted, hard to get yourself going in the morning. Having that consistency is a really important thing to do. And then the third focus would be to have a winding down practice at nighttime of some kind. Even if I like to tell people, even if it's just one slow, deep breath, 
as you go to lay down for bed. It is totally worth doing. So, yeah, you know, just as you were talking, I love those take action tips, but I was remembering how, you know, when we're kids, what do we do? We have a bedtime story. We say our prayers before we go to bed, right? This is that state change. We need adult bedtime stories Amen. or whatever it is for you. So I love that. Eat the foot foods. <laughs> you got to come up with an acronym for that. The foot foods and the honor your circadian rhythms get getting to bed and then having that wind down at night. So thank you so much, Dr. Amy Day. And you have some lovely gifts for everyone. You've got, and we'll have the links in the show notes. You've got a, a masterclass on perimenopause. I'll let you tell them about that. And then you've also got your ebook, Four Steps to Replenish Your Energy. We'll have the links, but tell them about these. Yeah. So the masterclass is called Perimenopause 101. So it's really helping to to help you feel like you can have your feet on the ground of understanding what's going on in your body and getting back in control. If you're feeling like everything's pulling you left and right and you're trying to understand what's going on, we go over in more depth than what we're able to talk about here today of of what is going on in perimenopause and how to help to navigate that. It includes our top 12 tips from a a naturopathic standpoint of things that you can be doing to help to smooth the ride for yourself. So there's also a hormone symptom quiz that you get when you sign up for that. So if you've been curious of like, do I have low progesterone or do I have more of an adrenal thing? Or is it maybe my thyroid is why I'm so tired and I can't lose this weight or whatever. So the hormone symptom quiz will be really helpful for for understanding where your imbalance might be and where to focus your efforts. So that is one of the things that Perimenopause 101 workshop and then the other is the ebook that's called Four Steps to Replenish Your Energy. So it's just really important to have energy because that's going to help you do anything else that you're trying to do when you're so exhausted that you can't even do the cooking that you need to do for yourself, or you can't even stop and do the foam roller before you go to bed, or, you know, you can't even like do these, all these shoulds, right? There's like all these healthy things that we know or think that we should be doing. And it can feel so overwhelming that we just like, it's hard to do anything. So really, really start with helping you have more energy and help you replenish yourself so that you can feel better in your life. That's when, when you're so dragged down, it just keeps you from being able to follow your passions and do the things that are important for you and your community and your work and your family. Just really believe in that every woman has the right to be vital. And this is the first step in that direction is to replenish your energy and help you to do that. And it kind of reminds me of the quote you told me before we got started that you love, don't let the perfect be the enemy of good. Like, Don't be the perfectionist that we can all be and go, I'm going to do these 100 things today and then I'm going to feel better, right? Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Just do the one thing. Do the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. In in our, our, uh, we have an eight week online program called Replenish that we teach this concept. The visual I think is helpful. So I'll, I'll leave some people with it now that of an upward spiral to vitality. It's, it's taking the little steps that help you to build the momentum and work your way there. Sometimes you get side railed. Sometimes you slip backwards a little bit, but you're trying to stay on that path and be 
um, supported on that journey. And, and it's about putting one foot in front of the other and trying and, and working progress, not perfection. Really that, you know, when we can feel like we want to be able to do all the things, but it's really okay and still really worth doing even the little things that get you moving in that direction because it starts to turn the tide and it'll just land you in such a different place if you can make those little shifts that start to add up over time. So true. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Amy. One last question. The name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health Revolution. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so I think it's brilliant. <laughs> and I I love that. I just I as I hear that I just vision this glowing, vibrant, brilliant, I, I love using the word vital also woman that that her health, her brilliant health is the thing that helps her to be brilliant in her life. So she the things that she wants to do in her in her community and through her work or any of that with her family and everything that when she has her brilliant health, it just pours out into the rest of her life as well. Yes, it does. It does. And thank you for pouring into our life. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you all for joining us today for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. The revolution is on. Have you joined? If you are here, you are a member for sure. And so I don't want you to just be entertained by the information you're sharing. I want you to be educated, but mostly I want it to help to change your life in a meaningful way. So I want you to just think, quickly about everything that you've heard us share today over the past few minutes. And I want you to pick one thing, one thing, do the one thing and do it today. Think in your mind when you're going to do it, plan on it and execute it. And when you start making small changes and it's like a string of pearls before long, you will have a whole necklace. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, post it on your social media and tag me, I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.